Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh, Tuesday. Good to be with you. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, we are awaiting, hopefully, word today, maybe tomorrow. That's what Ian Rappaport tweeted yesterday morning. The Tuesday or Wednesday could be the day, but it looks like that's the direction we're headed. D'Amico Ryans, the next Texans head coach. As far as popular, I'll call it popular acquisitions, Seth. I'm not going to put firings in there or trading guys away or releasing guys or things like that. We're talking about acquisitions that were met with great uh, great uh, praise, approval from fans. Does this does this clear the hurdle? Does would hiring D'Amico clear the hurdle? I think it clears the hurdle on all if not most of these, but how how much so? I just wanted to run through these and see if I'm some of these worked out, some of them didn't, just to be okay, clear. Okay, yeah, so we, we got to remember, like, okay, we're talking about at the time. In the moment, were these yep. popular. Yep. I feel like I'm having deja vu about something where we did this once before and, and we kind of were trying, to, we were trying to talk about how people actually felt about it at the time, and you ended up getting a lot of – you got a lot of hate from people who, who refused to acknowledge that they were happy about something at the time. So okay. I'm, just, I'm just preparing you for this. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. 713-572-4610, a-holes. Bring it on. It's a trailer, <laughs> it's a trailer wheel and frame text page. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, these are in chronological order, okay? 2006, yeah. hiring Gary Kubiak. As I recall, I was a player at the time. I know I myself was happy about it because I had – I had spent several years playing against a, a Denver Broncos Kubiak-coordinated offense and knew what a pain in the butt it was and, uh, and also how good they were at making just every – it seemed like every damn running back into an all-pro. Um, I think that was very popular, especially because Dom Capers was a defensive coach. I, I, I think uh, – I recall it being very popular. It's That's hard, what I've hard, heard. Hard as a player to judge. Yeah, th- th- that's the only one on my list here that I wasn't here for. So yeah. I'm, and it, it helps that you were a player, obviously, too, on that team. So I, I would lean. I'm, I'm gonna lean on the. I lean on like John McClain and I just recorded our podcast yesterday. He was bringing up how I guess the press conference was at some theater somewhere or something like that. Like it was uh, like a crazy homecoming kind of. thing. I remember from that first year too, all of the uh, the media types, you know, proclaiming that they were. Totally obviously going to take either Reggie Bush or Vince Young. Yeah. And uh, then I remember thinking, so when I found out, I think I found out because Berman called me for a quote and I was, uh, I was at a beach somewhere and, uh, and I was like, oh, cool. That's they called me the night before the draft or was it Friday? Remember when the news leaked yeah. that they were going to take Mario Williams? Yeah, yeah. And my first thought was, and I, he didn't use this quote, was like, I said, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like Kubiak's got a big old set of, Cojones on him. I, I like it. Yeah, I, I don't. I like that they're making the unpopular decision. Did he quote you accurately in that piece, Berman? No, he didn't. Berman always had a. Berman had a very good policy, which I'm sure he still does. If if it sounds at all like the person he's talking to is uh, has been imbibing, yeah, uh, he's very careful with the quotes. That's, he doesn't. Uh, yeah, he's not just going to print anything. That's how athletes. That's how you gain the trust of athletes. All right, next yeah. one. 
trading for Matt Schaub in 2007. That was popular, too, Yeah, um, because people were out on car. I wonder, though, were people that were people? Was it more of a cautious Brock Osweiler yeah. type of vibe? I, I, yeah. I, I got here right after that happened. It was in 2007. Um, and that's the sense I got. And especially yeah. early on, people forget. They remember two things with Matt Schaub. They remember the, the really good times and him breaking his foot during those really good times. And then they remember the end when he was throwing pick sixes every week. Um, it didn't go well for Matt Schaub the first couple of years. There were people clamoring for Sage Rosenfels those first two years. Yeah, that and even when it started going well for Schaub, a lot of it was, you know, the perception was there was a lot of garbage time yeah. when the, the team was behind. So even when it was statistically good. Plus, that was now that was a year in which, if you want to make yourself feel a little bit better about it, remember Jamarcus Russell and Brady Quinn were the first couple quarterbacks taken. Yeah, I guess pre- some people were probably upset about Kevin Cobb. Uh, you know, they, they, oh, I, was I, he I, in I, that draft? Okay, I, 100, 2007, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure I hundred oh, Sean, do you think hey, some no, Cougs right. thought that Kevin Cobb right. would definitely be better than Schaub? I definitely do. Thank yes. you. <laughs> okay. They all thought yeah. Case Keenum was when he got here in 2012. Yeah. <laughs> that was when Schaub was good. <laughs> uh, all right, John ne- Beck. They could have had John Beck instead of Schaub. John. They eventually did get John Beck for a little while. <laughs> uh, hiring Wade Phillips as far as popular moves go. That was popular, but it was in the context of a lot of people flat out wanting Kubiak and Rick Smith fired yes. at that point. Yes, you nailed it. That was the all out. I'll tell you what, that was one of the more impressive goal line stands uh, in, in a career by both Rick Smith and Gary Kubiak. Yes. Because they, that was probably the last year they had before they would be fired if they didn't turn things around. So they, Rick Smith makes a very, very smart decision in going after Jonathan Joseph and Danielle Manning yep. instead of... Instead yeah. of Namdi Asamoah. Namdi Asamoah, yeah. thank you. Not Yannick Ngakwe. I'm having the hardest time with Nigerian names ever since. Uh, <laughs> I, I used to be nails with Nigerian names, and now all of a sudden I'm completely lost in the wilderness. So, um, uh, and then also uh, hiring Wade Phillips. That was a, that was a brilliant stroke by... The McNair's. It was, really Bob, it was Bob McNair, yeah. pretty much. I mean, because like, you're right. Like, Rick Smith and Gary Kubiak both were teetering on the brink at that point. The next one I have is actually what you just mentioned. But, but, but as far as that, so that move, hiring Wade Phillips, as I recall, I think people were more thinking, like, okay, that's not, oh, yeah, like, that's going to fix the Texans. Not like, even, good move, but that's not going to fix the Texans. Not even in the same universe as what a hiring of D'Amico would be. And I think D'Amico, by the way, clears the bar on all three of these so far. Signing Joseph and Manning, I'll lump that in with Wade Phillips. That was kind of an overall rebuilding of the defense. This one Mark Vandermeer sent to me yesterday. I think D'Amico's signing would be significantly more popular, but this was, a, I thought, a good day for the franchise. Extending Arian Foster. Probably, that did feel... Probably a better day for Arian Foster than it ended up being for the Texans. <laughs> there was a lot about the extending Arian Foster that felt... In a good way, like, oh, the franchise is all grown up, yeah, and this is what you have to do. You know, and there's always the analytical argument about whether you should pay a running back, all that stuff. Yeah. But that, that felt like being part of a grown-up franchise. The other part of being a grown-up franchise was that because of signing guys like Arian Foster to new deals, you had to let some guys go like Eric Winston and Mario Williams in a couple years, a year or two later. Um, so, yeah, that was that several-year period right there. I would say Arian Foster being extended kind of ushered in a lot of the, the real-world NFL benefits and problems. Yep, yep. Ultimately, I think the, the, the analytics of the running back position probably caught up with the Texans on that one. But Arian got paid, and I like Arian Foster, and he was a really good player when he was healthy. All right, these next two – People are going to do what you're talking about, Seth, on the text page. They're going to go, what are you talking about? That wasn't popular at the time. These both were popular at the time. I think D'Amico would clear the bar on both of these, but people were not anti-signing Ed Reed at the time. It was not an no. exorbitant deal. It was $5 million guaranteed. He was coming off a Super Bowl in Baltimore. At 30,000 yeah. feet, a lot of Texan the, fans wanted this deal. This is where... The Texans, who had collapsed at the end of the season and needed something to try to get them over the hump, it made a lot of sense. And 
people are going to laugh at this, but the attempt was that this was going to be like a Brian McCann, Carlos Beltran type of signing was for the Astros after the 2016 season. Yep. When Astros leadership thought, you know what, we got some really good young players here, but we need a veteran presence. It's just that, man, man, people did not expect Ed Reed to end up being the guy, the guy he was with the Texans. He was a malcontent. He showed up injured. It, he had money stolen from him, making the city of Houston look bad. Uh, it was all—it was bad all around. There was almost nothing good that came from the Ed Reed sign. I would submit that after after Matt Schaub's pick six brigade, <clears throat> Ed Reed could be number two on the list of things that torpedoed that season. But people were—I approved of it at the time. I was sure. I was excited about it. Not that I thought Ed Reed was going to be an awesome player, but I was hoping he was going to be a good field general. Uh, you know, an on-the-field leader, yeah. a guy that could, uh, you know, good in the film room, all that type of stuff that that usually is overrated and overstated. But in this instance, maybe that was part of one of the, just the little the little bits of elixir that you needed to get over the top. It made sense. It made sense at the time, and it didn't work. Similar to our next one, signing Brock Osweiler. I think people were very skeptical of the Osweiler side. Okay, I liked it at the time. I, I liked the spirit behind it. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Like, okay, we need a quarterback. We're picking 24th in the draft yeah. every year because we're 9-7 and seven and winning a playoff game every year. Let's go get you know, somebody. You know, you know Meltzer and I both lean cynical, and uh, I feel like that's how we were over that. We were a little, we were a little bit skeptical you about were. it. You were. I was, I was hopeful, like we were trying to make the best of it, but it was a very much – for me, it was a very much of a wait and see. Yeah. Um, and also, not to mention, there's another one where, like, like – just as it is with now with Kyle Shanahan, if a guy ends up having a, like a credit, credit a credible performance with Gary Kubiak as his coach, that might be his ceiling. And like at that point, Bill O'Brien certainly hadn't shown that he could work with quarterbacks better than Gary Kubiak. True. Just like guy, like Kyle Shanahan. Now, if Kyle Shanahan get, get, can't get anything out of Trey Lance, then there's a very good chance your offensive coordinator isn't either. Well, that's so a great point. Don't bother. <laughs> that's yeah. a great point for the for the trade for Trey Lance crowd out there for the Texans. Absolutely, um, you got to honestly, even if you're an offensive coach, you got to be the same way. You got to say, "Hey, look, I might think I'm brilliant too, yep. but I got to recognize that Kyle Shanahan gets the absolute most out of quarterbacks, and I'm not going to be I'm not going to do better than Kyle Shanahan. So if Kyle's quitting on Trey Lance, then why the hell would I think I can do something yep. with him?" Most popular acquisitions in Texans history in the spirit of them about to acquire D'Amico Ryans to be the next head coach. I've got three more on the list. This one is the one that when we throw this topic out there, when this topic gets tweeted about, <clears throat> this is the one that most often gets brought up. And I think this is the only one that in the moment, on the day of, can be in the same stratosphere as hiring D'Amico Ryans. And that was the day they drafted Deshaun Watson. That was a huge yeah, day. Yeah, that was a huge a- day. That was a really big day. I think it was almost – there was still, I think, more of – there was an overall level of cynicism still about Bill O'Brien at that point that I, I think it maybe was tempered a little bit. Were a lot of people thinking, okay, yeah, that's great, but all right, what's Bill O'Brien actually going to do with him? Um, whereas I don't know. With, the, with D'Amico, I guess you have that same level of skepticism from an, a bunch of people that are wondering what's a defensive coach – going to do so that this might be on the same level because yeah. there's never you know obviously there's never 100 percent unanimity but um yeah the the skeptics the skeptics were far outweighed by the optimists with both Deshaun Watson and now D'Amico Ryans I think the last two I'm just throwing into the ring here um yeah. as popular acquisitions because I don't think either of these approach the one I just did drafting Deshaun nor D'Amico um signing Tyron Matthew back in 2018 to that one-year really? deal the nice thing about Tyron Matthew coming here was it did feel like the Texans at that point might be the kind of place where, at the very least, guys look at it like a place that they can go and and perform well and and get right, so to speak. Yeah, which is what Tyron Matthew did. It felt like a kind of a vote of confidence by Tyron Matthew because he didn't get the contract he wanted in the off season. So he felt like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go here and I'm going to work with Romeo Cornell and these guys, and I'll I'll end up getting a really nice contract up in Kansas City. Yep. It felt like that at least was um, it was a vote of confidence, but it was uh, you know obviously not a a huge commitment. He's a fun player to have on your team too. That's what yeah. I was looking forward to. He's the honey badger. It was fun. Last one, not hiring Josh McCown. Wait, where am I? Who is this guy? Right. 
<laughs> that was. Uh, that I, I hesitate to say the hiring of Lovey Smith because when Lovey Smith got hired, it wasn't like, yeah. oh, they got Lovey Smith. It was, oh, thank God they didn't hire Josh McCown. That thank was God he's jubilant, not David Cully. <laughs> that was a jubilant moment in the same way that you're so relieved when they stop turning the thumb screws as you're being tortured. Like, you're like, oh, yeah. boy, oh. Oh, they finally, oh, they're actually finally going to kill me now? Okay, cool, good. I've been begging for death for days now, and they've just been torturing me and torturing me and torturing me, so thank you. I welcome you, sweet death. Yes. Uh, somebody say uh, somebody, somebody say the Lord's Prayer there, and then here we go. Let's yeah, go. exactly. Last rites, that's what that's it is. Exactly. Josh Mc, ironically, Josh McCown probably could recite the Lord's Prayer for you there, right on the spot, absolutely. Um, so not hiring Josh McCown is the last one on the list. I think D'Amico clears the bar on all these if they hire him. I think it's... I think it restores culture in the building. I think it brings fans back into the building. I think it restores credibility with players around the league. I think free agency, Seth, takes a different a shape, a different shape this season yeah. with D'Amico yeah. here. Yeah, um, which, uh, you know, for the, the the way free agency works now, you don't get to visit with the marquee guys. But yeah. when it comes to the guys that are going to make visits, I think, D'Amico is a big pull there. I think he's going to be able to sell guys on a vision. Yeah. Um, and the most importantly, you know, the one dynamic I wonder about, too, is how are we feeling about Brandon Cook six months from now? Um, Could he bring him back know, into the fold kind of thing? Yeah, like, I, like Brandon Cooks is an asset on the team if his mind is right. And as we've seen, he's he's very sensitive to, to circumstances. So I is this a – look – if you have to trade him and take a cap hit and you can't get that much of a return for him versus getting him on board for another couple of years, I'll take him on board for a couple of years. Dude, if I, you, I see the look on your face. No, but, no, no. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not rolling my eyes at you. I'm rolling my eyes at the thought of Brandon Cooks not being able to play for D'Amico Ryans. Like, if you can't yeah. play for D'Amico Ryans, man, dude, that is on you a billion percent. It would, I think it would be whichever quarterback they're going to use more than anything. Probably. Probably. You know. Yep. Um, unfortunately, they may need to move him before they make that decision, the draft, until the end of April. So we'll see. All right, um, Payne and Pendergast with you. Um, Ross Tucker, I will say this about Ross Tucker. He did declare that he was going to steal one of Seth's takes yesterday yeah. when we had him on. He's, he basically pulled a Larry Bird. As he told you Called how he was going to beat you, <laughs> yeah. and then he did it to yep. you. Yep, yep. He's yeah. a, he's well, he did it to me. Yeah, he is. So you're going to hear the audio. He's a plagiarist, but he's an honorable plagiarist. Ross Tucker. We'll have that for you. Uh, we'll have that for you next. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. So yesterday we had Ross Tucker on the show, our good friend, Ross Tucker Football Podcast, at Ross Tucker NFL. I don't know why I need to promote his stuff. He's busy stealing yours 
Seth. Yeah, sitting yeah, here. He's done this before, um, and now he's doing it again. He is. This was on one of our listeners sent this to me, and he was on. It looked like he was on CBS. Okay. So yeah, he was. Uh, he was. Uh, he was on. You know. He's on a network basically stealing my take. Well, he did tell us before he was going to do this that he would steal the take. Here was Ross with us yesterday. Seth laying out a great take on the injuries to the 49er quarterbacks. And Ross saying, hey, I like that. I think there's earned injuries and unearned injuries. Like sometimes you might just get lucky because your opponent's quarterback gets injured. The Eagles in that game had earned injuries on the 49ers quarterbacks. You know, and that's a, against a team in the 49ers that kind of bully guys all year long. So I feel like the Eagles earned those injuries. And part of it was that Kyle Shanahan was using basically lay people off the streets in the form of tight ends to try to b- block Hassan Reddick. What did you think of that? You know what, Seth? That's a great point that I am going to use the rest of the week and all my media <laughs> stuff. Because, no, you're, you're right. No. You're right. Okay, good enough there. So, so this is a listener sent this to you, Seth. Uh, yeah, this was uh, Birch on Twitter. Birch on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know. Who's one of our watchdogs? Be careful, people. Uh, or actually, not be careful. Um, if the rest of you out there could be more like Birch and let us know when people are stealing our yeah. good takes, um, yeah. they can have our bad takes. <laughs> uh, here was Ross yesterday on. You said it looked like it was some kind of CBS. Maybe it was CBS something online or something. Okay. I just I, I couldn't quite see the. He just sent me a. He recorded it with his phone. With his phone. Okay, maybe yeah. CBS Sports HQ. They do a lot yeah. of internet yeah, stuff on there. Yeah, that's probably what it was. Yeah, yeah, here is Ross Tucker stealing from Seth Payne. <laughs> uh, I will say this. The last thing I'll say about this, as much as it stunk, because, you know, the game was kind of over then. <laughs> you know, it sounds weird to say this in the context of a sport, but this is football. The Eagles earned those injuries. I mean, Reddick hit Purdy hard on the elbow when it was back like that. And by the way, Kyle Shanahan – why are you having tight ends block Hassan Reddick? What? Why are you doing that? And then, you know, I think it was Sue. I can't remember who hit Josh Johnson. So the Eagles D line. It was not like those were fluke injuries. I thought for sure when he made that transition, and he's like, "Oh, by the way," I thought he was going to say, "No, by the way." Big credit to my friend Seth Payne, who spoon fed this to me. I think it's. I think it's pretty obvious what kind of a boss Ross Tucker is. Like a manager, he is the manager that takes your ideas and then uh, sends them up one level without any attribution whatsoever. <laughs> that would be. I would never go work for Ross Tucker ever, ever. He would take your ideas and just uh, and just use them to elevate himself this is what you get from these princeton types uh that's how they succeed and get to the spots they are in the world cornell is the take feeder to the princeton system you're like the collar bunch we're like actual americans (laughs) you're like the pittsburgh you're like the pirates are to the rest of major league baseball like oh let's cherry pick brian reynolds and garrett cole and guys like that Let's cherry pick your good takes. We're better and- than that. Don't don't compare me to the Pirates okay. ever again. Well, that's, so, that's uh, <laughs> that Harvard, bad. Princeton, and Yale. The problem they have is that they they really wish they were English. Like they really really want to be aristocrats, so they behave as such. Okay. Uh, they basically take the the sweat and blood of the the serfs okay. that live on their on their land and uh, use it for their greater. My glory. daughter never got that memo of it. <laughs> <laughs> I need to let her know that. <laughs> Did you start exploiting some people? <laughs> yes, please. Just taking advantage good. of some people. That would be good. Yeah. That would be so, good. So, uh, yeah. So, I, I, yeah, he said he was going to do it. He's done that before, yeah. so I didn't. It wasn't a surprise to him. Are you more flattered by that, or do you have beef with him now over that? I'm flattered by it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I still did a better job of delivering the take. If you had done the take better, I'd be upset. Okay. Okay. Although I did couch it a little bit. I got to stop saying I feel. If I'm gonna be, if I'm gonna be big, uh, you know, big if, cocky sports. Right. Talk if someday guy, you're gonna stop. do the interview on CBS Sports HQ, y- yeah, and right. I, I shouldn't be say I feel like something. No, my word is the word of God. That's right. And uh, whatever I say is so. Yes. Um, we've got a text I, here. I feel. <laughs> yeah. No more. I feel. Uh, trailer wheel and frame text page. Thank you. Eight three seven nine. This goes back to us talking about Tony Romo a couple segments ago. So if yeah. you missed it, you can rewind or listen to the podcast later. Seth and I were going through some theories on why everybody seems to be out on Tony Romo as a broadcaster. So Jim Nance found his way into that conversation, understandably, because he's Romo's broadcast partner. Um, eight three seven nine says, "I personally don't like Jim Nance anymore 
after I heard how he really is by losing his cool with Ron the Show Hughley for no reason <laughs> another time as well. He comes off acting like his bleep don't stink. Your attitude defines you. That's from Chad on the text page. Do you want to relive the magic of that moment, Seth? This was before the Houston Sports Awards COVID year. Yeah. Um, it was a, well, it was, it was – no, no. It was one of the years that Deshaun – was, was a out, topic because that was right. a, it was yeah it was 2000 um it was the first year out of covid okay because we had it outside that's why they were having it outside up at the um up at the oh the up at the uh, up at the woodlands that's right yeah yeah the so it would have been there. 2021 i think correct yep yeah that's it was 2021 probably before all the lawsuits started flying on deshaun right because it was because the lawsuits <laughs> didn't start coming down till march yeah, it seemed like it year. was like February of 2021. That's or so. correct. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. you're right. So it was just at that point, it was just that Deshaun wanted a trade at least. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So here was uh, here was that moment with the Texans. Have you ever seen an off season quite like this? From hang on, hang on, pause, man. Let me set the scene because because Jim Nance, Show, and Clint were back in the studio doing these yeah. interviews, and Nance was out at the Houston Sports Awards with a headset on. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so, I think yeah, that, so there's the red carpet. Yep. You walk. You would walk up. Yeah. So we were all kind of – everybody's kind of lingering out about it, like, like where the car drop-off was right. and then the red carpet. And um, so who was there? Was Tyler our, there? Our boss at the time, Tyler was there. I don't know if it was Tyler at that time. Armin was there for sure, our Armin old boss. Armin was there at a little table, yeah, and, and he, was, he gave the headset to Jim Nance. To Jim Nance, yeah. who was who was then being interviewed by Show and Clint, who were back in studio. Yeah. So keep in mind, this takes place. It's going to sound like they're in the same room. Show and Clint can't see Jim Nance when they're doing this. It's It's almost yeah. like a very clear phone call, so... Again, resume. With the Texans, have you ever seen an offseason quite like this from the end with the quarterback? <laughs> Honestly, to- it wasn't even on my mind, man. I just got the red carpet. We're wanting to get into a controversy. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, I live in California. I, I know what the national media is writing about it. I sure hope all this gets worked out, but uh, I don't have much more to say about it than that right now. It's not, I'm trying to make make my way through about 100 media members that are friends of mine. So, well, we appreciate uh, you what, stopping. What else you guys got? Yeah, this, That's the, it? The we event. want to talk about what's wrong with the Texans? <laughs> okay. No, the adventure. Well the adventure. I don't want to talk about the it? Super Bowl or the Final Four of the Masters. Huh? We want to talk about what's wrong with the Texans. Gotcha. Gotcha. I know yeah. where you're coming from. Thanks, How? guys. Yeah. Literally, you, I was standing there when it happened. Jim Nance. I don't even Hold on, so wow. okay, that that's that's stupid. You're in Houston. What the hell do you think we want to talk about the damn Masters for? You kidding me? Did he just hang up? I think I think you got I think you got hung up on, bub. We got hung up on. Wow. Okay, I pissed him off this one. Oh, wow. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You didn't even have to. I, I said, have you seen an off season like this with the Texans? Nobody telling you to go into depth with anything. <laughs> It's easy. You're a pro. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He, uh, he made a really good point there. Like, they didn't ask a hard-hitting question. No. Like, they didn't even ask, like, what should the Texans do or anything. And it really so, – so Jim Nance was there receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award. And, uh, and I guess he did just expect to just go up and have a bunch of little – Fluffy know, nice, questions. Like, little yeah. fluffy questions or something. It, it would have been – you're right. Nance could have just – told a story about some crazy time back in the day with the Oilers or the Astros or the Rockets or something. Uh, and it didn't have to be a hard-hitting interview. I feel like it was, uh, you know, you know, when you get – he probably wasn't tuned into the Texans or the Deshaun Watson stuff at all. And it's weird because you wouldn't think that, that Jim Nance would be in a position to feel – Maybe a little bit insecure about it. Like that's what happens sometimes when somebody asks you something and you're not aware of it. You get a little angry and defensive about it, and that's what he did, dude. As he's receiving a lifetime achievement award for being an incredible broadcaster. <laughs> I never thought of the irony of that. Yeah, that's yeah, hilarious. Like, yeah, he couldn't handle a softball question about a major national topic yep. uh, on his way in to receive a lifetime achievement award for giving his tie to children. So it's uh, it's uh, it's it's weird. It's yeah, weird. yeah. I, no, I was there for it. It was it was weird to be on. It was weird to be standing next to it because I couldn't hear what was going on. He just abruptly takes off the headset and walks away. I'm like, well, that was a short interview. Yeah, I went up and uh, and I remember talking to you guys because everybody looked kind of shell shocked. Yeah, like it just got. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if he, he 
the weird thing too was that Clint was really trying to soften everything. Yeah, and he wasn't having any of it. Yeah, Clint was trying to transition on to another question, which is what my guess is they would have done anyways. You know, like yeah. I don't think they thought. It's not like they were bringing Jim Nance on as as like he was Ian Rappaport or something like that. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, show made a really good point there, which is that they they weren't asking a hard hitting question. Right. He right. just said, "Well, this has been crazy, hasn't it?" Right. Or something along those lines. All right. And yeah, Jim Nance could have easily just talked about the old days right yeah, there. Yeah, man. Uh. That was a moment for sure. Uh, all right, and now so now Jim Nance will never come on our station again. Oh, whatever, it's, it's not like he's ready to answer the hard questions. Evidently, we'll be all right. This is what he's getting his his karma was that now ever since then, uh, Tony Romo has been an absolute disaster <laughs> on air. He's now considered to be one of the worst broadcasters. The karma in gods pointed their hands to cast a spell, and they misfired. Oh crap! I hit Romo. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Nance is fine on the broadcast, but Romo's babbling like an eight-year-old. It's this is bad. All right, uh, Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh, Tuesday here on Sports Radio six ten. God, I wish I had Deerdorf. In. <laughs> Could I just Deerdorf? Those were the days. Just give me Deerdorf. I didn't hate Deerdorf. I'll tell you, I, I, there was there was something about Deerdorf. Deerdorf had some Romo qualities. He did. He did. Deerdorf would. Deerdorf would put some doozies out there. He would. He would. <laughs> um, so uh, let's get to headlines in the next segment. Also, um, is it necessary for a guy who is a uh, who is the scapegoat or the? Uh, you know, the, the person who makes the big mistake in a game, does he need a teammate standing by filtering questions by his locker? Does this Is this necessary? You're going to hear what it sounds like next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, so the big story in the AFC title game was, well, two things, the officiating, and the second thing was one particular play, which I guess is sort of part of the officiating conversation. Joseph Asai. And the um, unnecessary roughness penalty uh, on when he pushed, air quotes, Patrick Mahomes into the bench. Um, Mahomes, much better actor along the sidelines than he is in State Farm commercials. I will say that it was a it was a good enough shove. It was a it was a flop, but there was a shove out of bounds. That uh, yeah, I have no issue with the call. Yeah. I, I but but Mahomes. Mahomes put it over the top. Put it that he took it, yeah, he totally. I think probably could have. He could have kept his feet. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been called most likely if he had kept his feet. So yep. yeah. Um. So Joseph Asai eventually had to meet with the media, and evidently, Seth, and you pulled this audio. I didn't get to see the video of this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, and I'm glad because the way you teased it, I feel like. Um, I was afraid you were going to present my emotions for me because um, it's not the way you teased it. I think is uh, is is not the way I would frame it. Uh, Joseph Asai was very regretful. As anybody who watched the TV broadcast uh, could have told, he was crying on the sideline. And then in the locker room, he did a very literally stand-up thing, which is he stood there and answered questions. I wondered at the time whether he was actually going to see the media or not because he was so distraught over it. Um, he stood up. <laughs> he stood. But, but B.J. Hill, the defensive lineman, big defensive tackle, BJ's probably about 330 or so. He looks like he's got a DJ Reader type physique. BJ Hill took it upon himself to basically stand next to Osai and filter out questions for him. So I edited this down a little bit. I would say the ratio of allowed questions to questions shut down by BJ Hill was maybe three to one or four to one. But I wanted you to get a sense of um, this is going to be a reporter asking a question and Osai answering it. Well, for actually, we started off with BJ Hill shutting down a reporter. Somebody else asking a question. Uh, BJ uh, uh, Osai answering it, and then BJ Hill shutting down another question. Hmm. He, been, he played his butt off the whole game. That's okay. a different question. Things are happening so fast there, obviously. Do you, did, you, did you have any idea you were, you were at that sideline there? I mean, obviously you're in full chase. And, you know, yeah, I was just in full chase mode, and I was trying to, um, was trying to push him to maybe um, get him going backwards because I knew he was going for that sideline. I was trying to make him go backwards, get that clock running. But, um... I, I didn't know. I, I haven't seen it yet. I didn't know how far out of bounds we were. But, um, yeah. How, how hard is that to kind of maybe kind of not put all that weight on you as you go through this? I mean, it's just. It's, it's extremely hard, what? man. Come on, man. I'm sure it's tough. That's why I asked him about it. That's a really question, bro. 
the support you're getting is that the side of <laughs> so I, the best I could tell was that BJ Hill was allowing any question about the specifics of the play. Okay. But if anybody ventured into asking him about his emotions or anything, that BJ would shut it down. But he's standing next to him. I got to tell you the visual. The visual is awesome because BJ Hill is almost standing next to Osai, just like almost, you know, with that look on his face, staring out at the reporter's kind of almost glaring at him, but just giving him stern looks, basically saying, you better not ask the wrong question, and then shutting him down. I I find myself wanting a B.J. Hill in my life. Yeah. That can stand next to me, and like after I, you know, maybe I accidentally take somebody's lunch out of the refrigerator at work or something. Mm-hmm. Um, when I get asked about it, B.J. Hill will shut that question down. Uh, I, if I accidentally, if I, if I do something I regret immediately, like commenting on a woman's pregnancy when she is not in fact pregnant. Yeah, I, that's a tough I want look. B.J. Hill to be standing next to yeah. me, protecting me. Yeah, I. I boy, I could go either way on this one. On the one hand, well, first of all, the question he shut down at the end wasn't about emotions or anything. It was, is it hard to do X, Y, Z? It was the same question Ross Tucker asked you yesterday on the show when you're running towards the sidelines and you're tackling a guy. Yeah. Do you, I mean, that felt like that flavor of question. Do you know where you are? Do you have your senses about you that you're near the sideline at that point? Yeah, yeah. I don't, it was, uh, I, I couldn't. I, I don't I don't know and BJ didn't he didn't cut it off until Osai started answering it. Yeah. Maybe he was more basing it on Osai's level of emotion. Maybe. And uh trying or just wanting to establish a presence. I you f- know, you just you got to take out a couple yeah. of the uh the protesters to keep things in line. I I feel like look, BJ Hill's heart is probably in the right place. He's a good teammate. He's trying to protect a young player. Osai is a rookie if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh second year player. <clears throat> so he's a second year player. Okay, I thought he was a rookie. So he's a young guy though. And this is probably the first time he's ever been in a spotlight like this, where he's cost him the game in the eyes of a lot of people. Um, at the same time, Osai is also an adult. <laughs> you know, like, he, yeah. you got to let him swim in the deep end, man. Like, it's, you know, how good – he's not going to get better uh, in, at handling adversity if you're there to make sure he's getting spoon-fed the easy questions. I don't think – but he was crying. I don't know. I, I feel like the fact that he was crying, you feel like at that point, all right, you gotta, you got to take control of this. He's crying but standing up there and answering the questions. So his buddy wanted to show him support. i got to be honest, if I was Osai – um, my buddy showing me support might make, end up making me cry more. I like at that point, like I might have to say, like, all right, man, I, I got this, I got yeah, this. Yeah. It's like any time in my life, especially God help me if a woman shows me some like uh, s- some sympathy or empathy, like while I'm going through something, then I lose it. Really? Um, likewise with a friend, yeah. I don't. I, I if I'm gonna be stone faced here, I need no actual sympathy or empathy. Just okay. let me. Go through this alone. I didn't yeah. know that about you. I don't even. I didn't even know you had tear ducts. To be honest with you, the time I've spent with you, <laughs> well, I don't. I'm not one of these bastards that like wear my emotions on my sleeve at work. <laughs> I'm not one of these people whining. We about haven't had stuff anything all. to cry about as a show. I guess not. Probably. I haven't. Not. Uh, yeah. I don't, don't bring your emotions to work, people. Other than if your job is to get emotional. To be emotional, sports. right? Bring right. that part of it. Yep. But don't. Uh, don't. Don't bring your. Gosh. I interpersonal emotions yeah i would want to say i want to say something about our boss that i would be a compliment to her but she she might not want me to <laughs> I don't, i'll, I'll let you be the judge wrong. yeah <laughs> sarah sarah is a hard uh, she is a tough lady she is She's like, yeah <laughs> she is absolutely if i cried in front of her i would be oh, yeah i would be devastated yes I would be like, it would be something else in pendergast the next like, day oh, she has no respect <laughs> for me <laughs> she has no respect for me oh no oh no <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. She wouldn't fire Seth over that. She would look at him differently, though. Uh, <laughs> she uh, fired me for crying. <laughs> it's a, it's a, she got up at the next Rockstar Awards and was like, and hey, by the way, yeah. Seth is gone. He's soft. <laughs> he cried. <laughs> this is where you all cheer. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're kidding. Uh, so, um, Pratt, this, uh, what, what's Pratt? Jermaine Pratt. Yeah. He's not a good teammate to uh, Joseph Osai. At least he wasn't in the moment right after the game. If you recall, this was Jermaine Pratt, a teammate of Joseph Osai, walking into the locker room after the game. He was, Osai wasn't around him at this point. He was just walking single file with his teammates. But we recall that this was Pratt screaming, why did you touch the quarterback? Oh, nothing! It's my f***ing last year! Why the f*** did you cut the quarterback? 
you touch the quarterback. He he was saying, Seth, by the way, I saw multiple people, he was saying right before that, this is my last bleeping year because oh, he's okay. a free agent now. He's, oh, okay, he, he, okay. That is what so he Florio said. So Florio had the wrong translation. He did. He did. Thanks a lot, Florio. Yeah, that, that is what he said. I'd seen so multiple this, this people. this is my last bleeping year. Yeah. And, yeah. As a Bengal. Because so, he, he, he went on to be asked about that later in a press conference. Pratt, yeah. and he's like, yeah, I hope to be back. But dot dot dot. You know. So this was him. <laughs> this is a this is a non-apology apology that I can get behind. This is more of an explanation than it is an apology. And I I would have played the whole thing just for one. The reason it was hard, kind of hard to understand him in the video is because he's got a very distinct North Carolina accent, and uh, and I, I and I and I love the way he talks. Um, but also, <laughs> he's. He feels he's justified in his emotions still. He just could have handled it differently. What was your reaction, I guess, to the reaction that you know, with that, that he talked to Joseph since yesterday? I mean, it's a reaction that anybody have a competitor, you know, you know what, what was in state, you know, the time and moment, you know. I mean, I love this game, no doubt in my mind. They talking about my character as a teammate. You know, some people don't never play this game. They don't know how much effort guys put in the game, you know. I got to make a mistake. Over and done with. I was emotional. I was in the moment. I was wrong. I would say I was wrong. As a man, you can look at yourself in, in the mirror and say, I was wrong. I wasn't a great teammate at that moment. We, we may need to play yeah. that again later and run it through the pain and Pendergast I, apology ringer. I was worried. It was getting up to like 40 seconds. That, but, boy, I think I could listen to him for two minutes. So the radio, oh. you never uh, – so for you listening, we, we, we were careful not to go longer than like 30 or 45 seconds because a lot of times people are like, all right, whatever the hell. What, what the hell is this? Yes. Um, but I feel like Pratt speaks – uh, it, like it's an entertaining cadence Dude. and everything. Yes, and, and I feel like you weren't really getting the full gist of him not apologizing. Yeah, <laughs> like he it's was very so, distracting because it's so folksy. He, he's so defiant, yes. and he's trying to apologize, but he can't quite bring himself there. He's just saying, like, "All right, like I, I should have handled it differently, but like uh, I'm angry in the moment. What are you going to do?" Um, yeah. hey, real quick, I, just, I do want to circle back to this, but between now and the top of the hour, we're going to be giving away Parker McCollum tickets. First night at the rodeo, February 28th. Um, so be listening sometime between now and top of the hour. So in the next few minutes here, and we're doing this every two hours today. So the next chance to win will be 9 a.m. in the 9 a.m. hour sometime on our show. So be listening. Parker McCollum tickets in the next few minutes here. Um, be caller number five. Um, okay, so Pratt, his non-apology apology, he's going to be a free agent. Does Do you think him screaming that way about, like, just keep your hands off the damn quarterback no, like that? Does that affect no. at all how teams look at I him? Did, no. it's uh, the, the problem is there's so many damn cameras everywhere now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all these little outbursts that are relatively common get caught everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you got – it's – you get to hear everything anybody said about you. You know, there are people that – uh, I never understand people that would want to know what people are saying about them. You don't want to know that. No. Uh, and yet now we have no choice but to know what other people are saying about us because there are cameras and recorders everywhere. Everybody's walking around with a surveillance device in their pocket, uh, in their phone. So, I uh, no, I don't think so, unless it's a habit, um, unless it's uh, a pattern. Like I told you with Osai, People will be cool, and teammates will forgive Osai as long as he's not a guy who's routinely screwing up all the time. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's not that guy. He just made a mistake that a lot of us have made. I've, I've hit guys out of bounds at least a few times in my career, and it's always immediately an awful feeling because um, it's just you don't know why you did it. You just can't. You just you can't. You have zero explanation for it. There's the nothing worse than the than the the cognitive dissonance that comes with like doing something that you don't think you would ever do because why on earth would you do it? Like it doesn't make any sense. Why would I do this? Does it suck yeah. going back to the huddle right after you did it? Like the, like you having to face people after yeah. you? Yeah. It's a great shame. Yeah. I feel Damn. great shame. I didn't mean to conjure up those memories again, but you brought it up, so I just wanted to it's see. It's always – well, you got to make up for it as a whole. Well, that, And that's why Osai suck. If you do something in the last middle of a play, game, yeah. you can make up for it. When you do something in the last series or on the last play of a game, you can't make up for it. And when it's the last play of the last game, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it until September. Dude, and when it's the last play of the last game and that play costs you a trip to the Super Bowl, yeah, there might not be anything you can do to totally make up for it for years. It'll be synonymous or go. it'll be linked to your name it's, forever. It's the Chris yeah. Webber timeout. That's the one I always think of, the timeout yeah. that Chris Webber called at the end of that North Carolina-Michigan championship game that Michigan didn't have, and it cost, yeah. you know, it cost them the end of the game. 
Um, all right, let's get to headlines. Parker McCollum tickets coming in the next couple minutes here. Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines brought to you by BaywayJeep.com. We are waiting for the white smoke from NRG Stadium to uh, indicate, metaphorically, white smoke, to indicate that D'Amico Ryans would will be the next head coach of the Texans. Um, all kinds of tweets yesterday from various outlets and sources that would seem to indicate that's the direction it's going. Ian Rappaport, most... Um, directly addressing it, saying that Tuesday or Wednesday could be the time frame. He tweeted that during our show yesterday in the 9 o'clock hour. It could be finalized today or tomorrow, Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, said their top candidate all along, it appears a homecoming is on its way to happening. Um, J.J. Watt, probably the tweet, Seth, that got the most attention among non-reporters. And there had no, there were no words in the tweet. It was merely a picture of a rookie J.J. Watt in 2011 and a veteran yeah. D'Amico Ryan's in 2011 laughing with each other on the sidelines, having the time of their lives. Oh, they just looked like they were just were into it, man. Yeah, yeah. Those were uh, those. Are now D'Amico didn't quite fit the scheme uh, as as well as they would have liked. He's more of a four three guy, so that's why he went off up to to Philadelphia. Yep. So. Um, for those of you wondering why the Texans would hire a cast-off, <laughs> he was uh, – and I said this I said this last night, which is I think that if you're accusing the Texans of being overly sentimental or perhaps the fans just being excited about a former player from 2011 coming back, I, I understand that criticism. I think there's some validity to it, except that you also have to recognize that it's not just any player – from 2011, I think that if you took any of the good players on that team, if it was Mario Williams or if it was Brian Cushing or if it was anybody else, I don't think the level of enthusiasm would be quite the same. Cushing would be an interesting one because he, he, he creates enthusiasm. But it's D'Amico and just everything about the way he carried himself – um, and that has translated into what people say about him as a coach and how he conducts himself as a coach. It's D'Amico the person that people got to know more so than it is D'Amico the good football player. You know, there have been better football players on this team that people wouldn't be as excited about him being the head coach of the team. This- it's a so it's a don't act like don't act like Texans fans are just a bunch of yahoos or who are happy to have an old friend back in the fold. It's because. D'Amico commands respect. Yep. Here's Patrick Storm. Actually, Patrick Storm caught up with Brian Cushing yesterday and got a quote from him on this. And he Did he said, ask him if he'd be a better coach than D'Amico <laughs> He didn't. I, not that I know of. I'm only oh, seeing God. one tweet. Um, quote, when I came into the league, I could not have asked for a better mentor and leader to try to emulate. He helped me more than I can ever explain and really helped kickstart my career, end quote. I, I mean, I think that echoes, that echoes a lot of what you hear people. Like, Seth, quite literally, you know, when people say – Sometimes you can't find a guy who says a bad word about this guy. Yeah, That literally appears to be the case for D'Amico Ryans. It appears nearly impossible to find somebody who doesn't have glowing reviews of D'Amico Ryans the person, D'Amico Ryans the mentor, D'Amico Ryans the coach, yeah. all of those things. So, so uh, yeah, so uh, and the fact that this um, Ian Rappaport said could happen Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. Today is Tuesday, if I'm correct, Sean. You're correct. Let me check. Headline. Yep. Yeah, and uh, that would mean that according to Ian Rappaport's possiblies, that we're, we're a quarter of the way into the possibly period. Yep. Uh, we're going to let you hear the worst take on D'Amico Ryans in just a second. Let's give away some rodeo tickets right now, though. Call 713-572-4610 right now. If you're caller number five, that's Parker McCollum you're hearing underneath me right there. Um, wins a four-pack of tickets to see Parker McCollum at the rodeo on February the 28th. Again, 713-572-4610. Caller number five, four-pack, four-pack, you and three friends, Parker McCollum tickets. Keep listening to Sports Radio 610 all day for more chances to win. We're going to do this again in the final hour of our show today. And each of the two shows later today, In the Loop and The Drive, are both going to be giving away four packs of tickets twice during their shows as well. We're going to be doing this quite a bit throughout the next few weeks leading up to rodeo. So keep it tuned right here to Sports Radio 610. 713-572-4610. Caller number five, headed to see Parker McCollum open up the rodeo in just a few weeks. Um, here was Keyshawn Johnson, Keyshawn, Jay yeah. Will, and Max. 
Yeah, Keyshawn Johnson uh, expressing regret on behalf of D'Amico Ryans that apparently Keyshawn, who, who shows here that he has actually not been following the NFL coaching searches at all, um, apparently D'Amico's being forced into accepting this job, according to Keyshawn Johnson. Why does he have to take a bat? I know it he doesn't like have to. Three tombstones we've seen from this job. Because if he, if back he, does, back if back he doesn't take this job... He may never get another one. Right, right. So you have to. You, yeah. You get. It's almost like you got to do it. Well, you're gam. You're, you're rolling the how dice. Come if he you can't, don't. How come he can't get a, uh, uh, like the Panthers job? Yeah. Even get a, a Panthers uh, job or a Denver Bronco job. Yep. Why does he have to get a <laughs> that Houston job? No, no, look, job. look you're, you guys are white about that. Listen, <laughs> Kellen Moore is out <laughs> yeah. in Dallas. Yeah, so that's Max Kellerman with a little, uh, you're white about that. It's interesting because you're right. I know, like, why, why does D'Amico have to take a job that just keeps hiring black coaches? I know it's awful how, how awful the Texans are uh, who, who, who fire coaches when they're doing poorly and now are pro- likely to hire another black coach. Um, Kellerman. So, like, Max Kellerman uh, obviously has a finger on the pulse of everything that's going on. A couple things wrong there. One, for one, Keyshawn, like – incredibly misguided and insulting to D'Amico Ryans and that D'Amico was probably the hottest candidate on the coaching search circuit this year. Uh, Keisha, uh, D'Amico was turning down interviews. Um, it's, it's not like D'Amico had to accept this job or have no other job. So, clue yourself in a little bit about exactly how the coaching search went. And then what the hell, what the hell is this? It's somehow the Carolina Panthers job is, uh, is this a marquee spot to be now? Is this somehow uh, a vast history of excellence with the Carolina Panthers? What the hell are you talking about? And not to mention, I mean, we've gone on and on about how Denver's not what it used to be. So yeah, D'Amico, people can't figure out or get it into their heads that D'Amico looks like he's choosing to come to the Texans. They have to act like he's being forced into going to the Texans. Yeah, I, I'm not excusing Keyshawn Johnson when I say this at all, Seth. It's just it's an unfortunate byproduct of where the last three years of the Texans' history have put themselves. You know, yeah. like it's it's just the reason they had to burn through two bad coaches. A big a big reason they had to burn through two bad coaches. Two reasons. One, they were bad coaches. Two. This was not a this was not a desirable place for a couple of years. So you know, yeah. they, and and so so the Texans are getting still painted with the same brush, even though on paper this is a much more desirable job than it's been the last couple of years. And I would submit a much more desirable job than the Denver job that Keyshawn unsolicited brings up in his take right there. So well, uh, so I'm not excusing the idiocy, but yeah. it's an unfortunate byproduct of where the Texans have put themselves. And until they're back on a landscape where people are watching them and paying attention to them, and I think D'Amico does that, they will be paid attention to now, at least on a regular basis. There will be more educated takes about them and, out there. And I don't even like, and I don't even, like, I, don't, I don't like using D'Amico as like a fulcrum in some kind of argument about race in the NFL or anything. Like, I feel like that does a disservice to D'Amico. Um, but I do think, like, with Max Kellerman, uh, Max Kellerman, it's very easy for him to white knight, uh, ironic term to use, and uh, you know, in virtue signal and show that he's he's uh, he gets it and he understands things, without obviously ever actually talking to any black Texans fans. You know, like uh, I love I love this notion that somehow all black Texans fans must feel a certain way about all of this, where like you and I actually talk to our listeners, many of whom are are black. black, um, And many, many, many of whom are like, no, this is not it. Whatever, whatever you guys nationally are saying is that's not you're not getting the whole picture here. You know, we could have issues and, and not to say that all of our black listeners feel the same way. It's just there is a diversity of opinions amongst the black and white and Mexican and every other Mexican American, every other listener we have. Um, but it's uh, for Max Kellerman, he can just act like, no, no, I'm, I get, I get, I'm one of the good ones. Yeah. I'm one of the good ones. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take a little shot here and we'll move along. You're, yeah. you're listening to KLT and KLT HD2, an Odyssey station. Uh, congrats to Jeremy and Pearland winning the tickets to see Parker McCollum. We'll be giving away tickets in the nine o'clock hour. Uh, one other aspect of a D'Amico hire, Seth, that's kind of you know popped to the surface for me in the last 12 hours. I had two different people reach out to me 
via phone, via Twitter yesterday, both of whom used to be in the building over there with the Texans, not there anymore. But they were there when D'Amico was there as a player. And this is something that I had heard from them and others who don't work there anymore, but who were there when the times were really, really good, under Kubiak largely, right? Um, and, and I get it, they didn't go to a Super Bowl or anything like that, but they became a good team. Inside the building, it was a great place to work. It was named the best place in Houston to work for many, many years, the Texans. And the tone setter oftentimes for that is the head coach, as we've seen, both good and bad. The mood in the building, the atmosphere in the building has has largely been steered by, well, not largely, but in, in no small part, steered by the personality of the head coach. And I just won't mince words. Like that, Those are things that diminished once Gary Kubiak was out of the building, and it got really bad towards the end under Bill O'Brien with the mood in the building and things like that. And it was hard for people who had been in that building before to watch or even be a part of seeing happen when O'Brien first got there. They Both the people who reached out to me are so excited about D'Amico, not that they're going back there to work or anything like that. They're happy for the people in the building, but I think they're also happy because they were part of building that franchise at the outset and seeing it get back to hoping that D'Amico is the guy that can kind of not not intentionally say, I'm here to reset the whole building. He's not going to do that. But I think just through osmosis you do that when you're the head coach. You're the most front-facing guy in the organization on a day-to-day basis. You know... Usually, I, I kind of have a knee-jerk response to that discussion, which is that I, I played for Tom Coughlin, and Tom Coughlin was a very successful coach, and it was a miserable working environment because he was so intense all the time, but it worked for him. Um, people who have worked in the Patriots you know, office feel the same way. It's not or every, every story you hear about people that have worked for the Patriots, it's, it's not a pleasant place to work necessarily. Um, and, but it still works. You know, Bill Parcells, it was miserable working under him. But I do wonder if some of it has to do with just geographic location. Because mm-hmm. Coughlin, obviously, in Jacksonville, Florida, did not have the same success that he would end up having in New Jersey New York, and New yeah. York with yeah. the Giants. Yeah. Bill Parcells had his greatest success, obviously, uh, in the Northeast. It, uh, Bill Belichick... Did Bill Belichick did a whole lot better in Boston than he did in Cleveland? I I do wonder if the like the Northeast, which is just a a much more uh, aggressive, intense place to be in general. Maybe the maybe the front office and the organization withstand that kind of attitude better up there than it does in other other parts of the country. I guess Sean Payton would be the outlier that uh, that that made it in in New Orleans, which yeah. is about as directly opposite of New York City as you can get. But maybe he ran things differently, mm-hmm. and he also had Mickey Loomis as a maybe a little bit of an, a counterbalance. Maybe, maybe, and I I would also say they never really experienced any sort of lull in their success for any great period of time either. They had that period where they were seven nine a few years in a row in the mid 2010s but to your point like when when you're winning you know when you're winning that it tends to get glossed over that it's kind of miserable behind the scenes i'm I'm talking about peyton here yeah 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 he was really successful plus he i mean he doesn't i don't he doesn't strike me necessarily as the same guy um as a lot of the other guys in the parcells tree uh, in terms of personality, no, he's not per- quite as gloomy. Yeah, as, uh, yeah, he's not, he's, yeah, yeah, he's not cheery, but yeah. he's not gloomy like Coughlin and Belichick are. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we're still waiting, waiting on the whole, uh, waiting on the D'Amico thing to happen. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 